Oh, you guys stopped as soon as I hit record. Because oh, you, you scared us. <laughs> oh, you scared yeah, yeah. us. It's not my fault that Zoom has the little bot say the words that make it scary because now you're all of a sudden being recorded. It wasn't it wasn't that important. Taylor and I were just talking about how we are bringing back feudalism in the very particular case of us now being serfs of Josh Allen. <laughs> he is true. our uh, feudal lord imbued with the divine right of the aristocracy and he can tell us to do whatever uh, he wants because he's a magical special person and you know clearly will one day be the greatest football player ever uh, supplanting Michigan's own Tom Brady. It's true. He's the He's the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm I'm brave enough to say it. I've yeah, never said just... I've never said a bad word about Josh Allen in my life. Don't look it up because you don't have to. Um, also, just definitely don't. Um, Josh Allen is the greatest quarterback I have ever seen with my own eyes. Yeah, that's just science. I mean, Patrick Mahomes. Those are just inflated numbers uh, from from playing in a totally uh, you know fake easy environment. If Patrick Mahomes had to do it in Buffalo every week. With those searing winds and the cold, um, he would be putting up. Yeah, technically, Terry Pagula did want to draft Patrick Mahomes, which is an entirely different conversation. Would have been That's a huge a mistake, whole... huge huge mistake. <laughs> That's that is so true. And you know what? Honestly, as as the premier Mountain West podcast, the Bucket Problem, as they say, um, I I think Josh Allen just he's been he's been that dude his entire life. He's been that dude from the beginning. Up till now, I think. No one ever questioned day. it. Absolutely. And when Ace said when Ace said that he never won a game in 2022, that's disrespectful to the perfect game that he played against the New England Patriots in early January in zero degree temperatures. It was like negative wind chill. And that man was out there slinging the football. I, I will never he hear a one one yet. Like I forgot that the playoffs extended into the new year. Well, and also I will note that the Bills did not win uh, due to the the perfidious uh, conspirings of the universe, but he played arguably an even better game against the Chiefs also in the year of our Lord 2022. Who was the Chiefs quarterback? I don't remember. Uh, Kyle Allen or someone like that. Mm. Yeah, he's pretty good. Probably him. (laughs) All right. uh, Welcome to the Bucket Problem, episode 54. This is a uh, Buffalo Bills and Mountain West podcast now. Um, uh, Nice, baby. I'm joined by Taylor Fulton and uh, Connor Southern, uh, both uh, noted Buffalo Bills fans because of uh, the uh, unifying powers of Josh Allen. Um, we are uh, presented by Homefield Apparel and PointsBet. We're a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and we are a meet at midfield production. And this is ostensibly the start of our uh, Michigan season preview. We're going to talk about the offense today. I have not deleted that Ben Mathis Lilly uh, was our guest uh, last week. Uh, sorry, I swear I'm going to be better at keeping up with Josh that. Allen is spiritually our guest this week. Yes. He is our guest every week. He is our guiding light. He is our North Star. He is the reason for the season. He watches over us, indeed. He does. He really does. I'm just going to keep powering on through, although I now have to kick <laughs> it to one of you for a big mood, and I'm afraid. Uh, I'm worried that you guys are going to... Uh, uh, zag away from what is written down in the notes and then just rekindle this entire conversation. And this will be uh, just two hours of Josh Allen, um, bare minimum. But uh, Connor, I am uh, with some trepidation kicking it over to you <laughs> for your big mood. 
Well, I think that this could also apply to uh, Josh Allen uh, and Buffalo Bills in many ways, but <laughs> it is actually a big mood about Michigan fandom, which is I have I have a request. I, I want to offer uh, my fellow Michigan fans a deal, right? The deal is this. Uh, we are reigning Big Ten champions. We won 12 games. You may have heard that we beat Ohio State for the first time in a decade. I don't know if anyone but me remembers that, but I would say this is a bold statement. Things went well for Michigan last year, uh, even with the bad taste in our mouth that is still there from the Georgia game, which was pretty ugly. Um, and, you know, we may have not quite been an actual national championship contender, but we were, I would say, sorry, Patrick and Ryan and everybody else down there that like Cincinnati, but uh, we were the third best team in college football. And I say all of that, that because... I understand completely why Michigan fans developed not just a generalized pessimism over the last 20 years or so of mostly being in the wilderness. I I get it. There's like a there's a general pessimism that's out for many fan bases. There's also the very particular Michigan form of it, which is Michigan has a lot of really smart full-time analysts and also just a lot of really smart fans. Um, and I think part of the culture that's developed is that Michigan fans and fan analysts um I think get ahead of themselves. I think being negative about very granular things about the team. Like, I think there is generally a culture actually of often underrating how good some of our players are. Um, you know, obviously it is you know, college football is a big scene and people toss out statements like best exposition, one of the best expositions in the country all the time. And it's often not true, but like, you know, I think about someone like Blake Corum, for instance, um, he was he was not healthy all season last year, and 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 uh, Hassan Haskins very much became the number one guy over the course of the season. So Corum didn't have quite the season he looked like he might at the start of the season, but he was still. I mean, there was a long stretch of time where I believe he was rated number one in the country by PFF, and he had a few early games where he was on track to put up you know Heisman candidate numbers. Um, and that slowed down, but like it was not when he was healthy, it was not at all unfair to say he was one of the best running backs in the country, even though Haskins ultimately had the better season. Michigan did just have one of the best running backs rooms in the country. Um, I fully expect the Corum and Edwards duo to be one of the best in the country. I think there's a couple other position groups on Michigan that could also be in that conversation. I think our interior offensive line, as I was discussing with these guys earlier today, like Oluwatimi, Keegan, and Zinter are all all should be in the conversation as potentially among the very, very best at their positions in the country. That's just a mauler group of dudes. And I mean, Oluwatimi has a very good chance to be the best center in the country. And Keegan and Zinter should be in the running for best guards in the country, too, um, just based on everything we've seen and what we know those guys can do. And I could go on, but my point is this, like, let's kick the pessimism to the curb for a while. Let's put aside this this like carefully developed culture of underrating ourselves for a while. And here's the deal I will offer you. When Michigan does lose a game, which I think will probably happen, although I'd love to see us go 15 and 0. Whenever we actually do lose a game, then you can rend your garments and talk about how our players are terrible and how our offensive line is actually the 37th best in the country or whatever it is you want to do. <laughs> but until we lose, until we lose, let's let it all hang out. Let's be proud of our team. Let's overrate them. Let's talk shit. Let's do all the stuff that fans do that's fun and ridiculous because we've earned it. Also, uh, there's a one-week moratorium on this big mood, which is Michigan State week. The week leading up to that, you underrate Michigan. Michigan State is the best team in the country, and we are going to lose. 
Okay. Otherwise, fair I'm in enough. total agreement with Connor. <laughs> fair enough. Although the way that I'll be approaching that is less to denigrate Michigan and more is to say that I expect Michigan State to be national champions. We so will be that's... beating Connor with sticks throughout the podcast during Michigan State. <laughs> but I mean, fair enough. I'll take the terms. This is a negotiation. I'll take the terms Ace is offering. I just think. I'm coming down there, man. (laughs) (laughs) I just think we should all be obnoxious and really happy about our players and talk a bunch of shit about how good they are until we actually lose. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, mean, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Ace. Our our Buckeye colleagues are certainly doing that. And um, I don't remember them winning last year against Michigan. Um, (laughs) That's correct. I didn't watch other Ohio. Why watch other Ohio State games? I just watched that one. So Ohio State was 0-1 as far as I'm concerned. Um, were they good other than that? I don't know. They looked real soft. They I think soft. I think 0-2. They, they, did, they did perchance lose to Oregon. Oh, right. I That's right. The That's end correct. Of that one. They looked super soft in that game, too. But me, uh, and they, also, they almost lost to a Utah team that had, as Ace pointed out to me, a running back at cornerback. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Still almost yeah, lost uh, that game. Yeah, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, actually a big fraud, as we've been saying on this podcast for weeks now. <laughs> Not actually that good. Is uh, freshman Darius Clements <laughs> better? We, 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 we'll find out soon. Yes, we but, will see. Um, uh, I actually, I think this is an interesting, like, this is, I'm going to get you guys in trouble with uh, your colleagues. I'm not actually part of me at midfield, but so I can talk shit and get myself in trouble with Pat. You're part of the extended universe. You're yeah. part I am, of, like, it's true. Yeah. I, and, and I love those guys, to be clear. They're really they're really sharp and they're good at what they do. But like it's very funny to watch Buckeyes fans, including your guys' colleagues, like take it a defense that was a disgrace last year. Like an absolute disgrace. That defense was not I mean, given that the star ratings of the players, one of the biggest like screw ups I've seen for a unit in the last several years in terms of like star ratings relative to the what those guys fired their defensive the coordinator in season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a joke. We're demoted, and like Michigan, him, I guess. <laughs> and Michigan just, I mean, there's no way to say that other than Michigan embarrassed them in that game. And and they admitted it at the time, by the way. And so, like, that's all true. And then to turn around and say, like, well, we hired a pretty good DC. And I think Knowles is a good DC. Don't yes. get me wrong. To turn around and say, it's going to be way, way better. And we're going to have elite defense again. Like, I, guys, like, maybe. And it's quite possible given the talent. But, like, that is talking some shit. And it's only fair for me as a Michigan fan to also talk shit, given that we are reigning Big Ten champions. Look, I'm not going to say that uh, I feel pretty confident uh, for the simple reason that they have a white guy named Eichenberg starting at inside <laughs> linebacker. But, you know. <laughs> Many don't yeah. know this, but Ohio law, uh, Ohio law dating back to the 19th century says you must always have a slow white guy at linebacker somewhere. It's it's not their fault. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was put in by Andy Katz and Moyer's great great grandfather. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, before we totally lose the plot, Taylor, what is your big mood this week? This episode is off the rails. Anyway, um, first, just a very like slight like mood. Um, if if you didn't get a chance to read it, um, Austin Meek from the Athletic wrote a really lovely like little profile on Mozzie Smith, who I just absolutely adore um he like obviously last week was part of bruce feldman he was bruce feldman's number one freak of 2022 um some of the the video footage of his workout his workouts included that like plyo stick big that's big ass plyo stare terrifying my knees yeah uh 
yeah he he jumped up those stairs like it was it was absolutely nothing which was wild but um there was kind of a follow-up to that it's really really nice just to kind of hear about um the leadership that he is bringing to the defensive side of the ball especially as you think about kind of like who michigan has lost at defense in like defensively so i think that that it's really nice to see kind of the evolution of Mozzie Smith because they, because, you know, he touches a little bit on like the first couple seasons, like he was not super, like he was not getting a bunch of playing time. He was getting frustrated. He wasn't like, you know, in really maturing. Um, and then obviously in the past, past few seasons, now we are kind of seeing some of that maturity come to fruition. And that's really, really exciting for me um, knowing that at least, where there's potentially a talent vacuum at defense, maybe not a vacuum, but a, a bit of a bit of a void, a, a slight void. Um, you know, some of that leadership potential is still there, and I think that that's a very very exciting thing for me. Um, and, and being able to root for a kid who wanted to do like the debate team. Yeah, he he wanted to be on the debate team. He he loved writing. He loved the arts. Um, he loved um, like I believe poetry. So. <laughs> He's Just one like, of us, but he can also like jump yeah. 34 inches at 330 pounds. Yeah. And he's, and he comes from just like, um, like an extremely like intellectual family where like, you know, most of his family were like writers and, and kind of, um, community leaders and organizers and, and comes from sort of like this background of, of leadership in that way. So it's really kind of fun to see that come to fruition on the field. Uh, and also that that he is he's our defensive t- tackle and not on the debate team. So that rocks. Uh, yes. That rocks for us. Uh, dudes rock. Um, anyway, uh, uh, my my larger thing that I, I just need to talk about is the AP poll is meant to make everybody angry. And I <laughs> want to be just so clear about this. The AP poll is just blue check big game boomer. I need to get over how mad I am about it because I think you can tell who just straight up has never watched a game of football or like didn't pay attention to anything in the off season because what are we doing? Some people like nobody watched Clemson last year. That's that's what the AP poll told me. Nobody watched Clemson for a single second last year. Well, no one watches the ACC anyway. I say that as an ACC school alum. So (laughs) fair enough, but you're totally right. Ace. (laughs) I mean, like, we we are hard on the North Carolina State bandwagon as a an, an entire group at Mid Midfield, and uh, we encourage everybody to come along because uh, even if somehow Clemson ends up uh, beating them, both both North Carolina State and Wake Forest are going to be significantly more fun to watch than Clemson farting out twenty to seventeen victories while their quarterback throws like three picks. I have exactly. Two like, uh, I think I'm sorry. Go, sorry ahead. go ahead, please, please, because I still have more to say about this, but I'm just going to I'm just going to let let it simmer for a little bit. Go ahead. OK, yeah, I just wanted to say two things to that. Number one, speaking as a Duke columnist, um, <laughs> I think it's really cute that NC State has a good football team. And I am so proud of you. You're doing such a good job. Um, they should get to have Con- something Connor's nice. really breaking the stereotype <laughs> of a Duke grad here. <laughs> They should get to have something nice because they're in the same urban area as UNC and Duke. And like you can imagine how frustrating that is on a sports and academic and every possible level. So good for you guys. I really do hope you beat Clemson. I don't care if you beat Duke. Duke football is fake. Um, but the Wake Forest thing, I look, I hear you guys about Wake Forest. 
I will never forgive them for Kenneth Walker the third. What the hell were you guys <laughs> that doing? That was some bullshit. What uh, was that? <laughs> they might have been better than Michigan State if they had just kept Kenneth Walker. Um, uh, why didn't you pay him a lot of money? However much you had. Um, defund the basketball program. They're good anymore. Uh, I know that goes against like North Carolina state law, but um, yeah, we've, we've got uh Notre Dame uh, also on fraud watch along with Clemson. Notre Dame is fifth. Clemson is fourth. Can I, can I start now? Can I, can I say it? Yes. I'm so angry about this. This makes me so upset. I don't understand why Notre Dame is ranked fifth. I, I just, it is. What are we doing? What is Marcus Freeman has not won a football game. Like, he is charismatic and interesting, and I think he's going to be a great coach. But what what's happening? They did it. What? Like, just because he's a cool he's a cool guy that was like kind of compelling in a hangover parody video that they did for to reveal like white and gold jerseys for whatever the fuck. I'm sorry. I just I don't I don't understand. I guess it's Drag okay. Him, it's fine. <laughs> the it's... good news is that on September 3rd, well, it's sort of good news and sort of terrible news, but on <laughs> September 3rd, they are going to get fucking mollywopped by Ohio State. And, and we're gonna no rock. longer going to have to worry about Notre Dame being super overrated. That is going to be... last a week. It's going to get ugly. I, I I think that's the the great thing about that game. I can't wait because it is such a perfect win-win for Michigan fans because either the Marcus Freeman recruiting narrative that has really hurt Michigan, and I mean really hurt us, uh, takes a big hit, which I very much welcome, or Ryan Day is instantly on the hot seat. And either one of those <laughs> from a certain really segment of Ohio State fans, but they all work for me to midfield. <laughs> I mean, you're you're right, but also you know what I mean, which is yes. like it doesn't matter. People are not gonna be like, Oh yeah, Ryan Day was the national championship. John Cooper put ago. up a hell of a record at Ohio State, but uh <laughs> Yeah, like it's gonna get bad if he loses that opening game. So I I can't wait. And I I will share, I, I Taylor and I are full agreement about this. Like I do think Marcus Freeman's going to be a good coach. I do think it was a good hire. Um, I also think we should wait for him to actually win a football game as a head coach. Just one. Just one. <laughs> yeah, just one. The, one. The, re- the recruits that he's getting don't even play on this year's team, guys. Like, it's oh, not yes. for Let's while. chill. <laughs> and I mean, just what? Like, Michael Mayer? Great. Good for you. That's that's delightful he's gonna go he's gonna go in the first round congratulations it's gonna be wonderful you now have the uh the basis of iowa's offense uh a very good tight end yeah you've got a great tight end and like i guess a quarterback so i sure we'll we'll see on that one i mean they've got a five-star quarterback but uh you know notre dame quarterbacks always fulfill their potential right (sighs) i'm just i'm just it's fine and i think it's kind of I think it's fun, I guess, that they're fifth because again, September 3rd will roll around. I will what I will be happy regardless of what happens because again, either Notre Dame, a team that I have hated my entire life since prior to ever like caring about the University of Michigan or even college football, even college sports, I've never liked Notre Dame. It's just I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all of you. Um this is no. where we should mention that uh, uh, John Orand of uh, uh, the Sports just Business Journal reported that uh, NBC in their negotiations with the Big Ten is uh, pushing for a revival of the Notre Dame-Michigan series. And that would very much be welcomed because we need to be able to direct this hate like 
into a football game and oh, not just out. I would love to the, channel into this. the ether. I, I, I need an outlet for this that isn't like let it like vicariously living through Ohio fucking state. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's because... that's that sucks so much. <laughs> and the thing is, like, the thing that I think bothers me is is that Notre Dame and Michigan fans both are like arguably two of the most arrogant and like just self-righteous fan bases in the country i think maybe according to losers yeah (laughs) (laughs) and i just i just from an outside view i and and i just think that like it's kind of like looking in 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 a mirror a little bit um except for one one school is small and catholic and has a big mural of jesus apparently or whatever and the other place is cool and fun and has cool things um and not a big mural of jesus <laughs> no big mural of jesus <laughs> but i i guess like i'm i'm sorry to have started yelling about notre dame i i got both of the things i needed to say off my chest today number one that josh allen is the greatest quarterback of all time and number two that i hate notre dame um i i just sort of think that it just reflects kind of how much perhaps like national writers or like writers who are only attuned to parts of um college football or you know might have some pretty significant blinders on are, are just... don't do their homework right, <laughs> like, right. a lot of this like, might just be something like i mean we both put together we could say we put together top 25s for me to midfield i think the post is up now or it's going up tomorrow one of those it's probably right. up by the time you're listening to this right and... you, you make it up like, and yeah, I like think... there's a certain level where it's extremely like subjective and like you can justify a whole lot of things. But there are also certain times where it's just like to have this many people like ranking Clemson in the top five after the season that they're coming off of or um, mm-hmm. everybody think... agreeing that Notre Dame like every year, like consistently is like this is the year that they're going to be back. Um and, and I know it's like sometimes they're right, but uh, you know if you if you bet the same number every time in roulette, you will eventually be right. Um, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something in favor of the voters though. Um, for the they actually did not rank Texas this time. Speaking of teams <laughs> that are supposed to be back, so we got we got something going for us. Um, like, I mean, Texas has really beaten it into their heads, like even more so than Notre Dame. That literally every year, like you should not be doing this. Like, please, no, I, doing this. <laughs> I agree. I, here's what I want to jump in and say. By the way, so sure. uh, my dad went to Notre Dame for undergrad, um, and then his son <laughs> went to his son went to Duke. <laughs> God, and, the dark family <laughs> secrets just like well, slowly and, trickle out. Yeah, so and both my parents went to Michigan for grad school. So we are for college sports a Notre Dame, Michigan, Duke family. Uh we're Hurst. very popular with every other every other uh college fan base that you can possibly imagine. You should you should get a tri-panel hat made. <laughs> One of those logos. like house divided like, flags. And, and yeah. then you put the hat on and you just instantly like melt like the wicked witch of the east. Do you guys remember this was like a very aughts moment? Do you guys remember when uh Brady Quinn's sister was dating H.A. Yes. Hawk and she came to the whatever the Orange Bowl or whatever wearing ha- a half Notre Dame half Ohio State jersey that was peak that was some peak late aughts culture which which of Brady Quinn or A.J. Hawk do you think was more offended by that because <laughs> you know they both were <laughs> uh A.J. Hawk because he's a he's a strong British alpha man whereas as Brady Quinn was a sort of a, a prim and uh proper and you know anyway <laughs> um, <laughs> uh 
Anyway, um, I, I just want to say to Taylor, it's so funny to hear you say, like, I'm sorry for yelling about Notre Dame. It's like, my point was, I grew up in a Notre Dame household. Ace grew up in Ann Arbor in the 90s. If you think we haven't heard yelling about Notre Dame football before, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I just, I don't get that opportunity because um, a lot of people in Buffalo are freaks about Notre Dame. I don't get it. It's whatever. It's fine. No, it's not. <laughs> Don't 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 enable this. Yeah, no, it's not <laughs> don't fine. Say it's, it's not fine. okay. Um, I would say Buffalo doesn't have like a huge like college sports culture. Like we obviously have like the University of Buffalo here. Um, we love our Maction, but it's not quite the same. Uh, I do sort of think that that people the places people gravitate toward the most here are Penn State and Notre Dame, which <sighs> is just absolutely sick and disgusting and wrong. Um, but you should still subscribe to meetupmidfield.com. Thank you so much for your support all the time. Um, I do just want to put a bow on my AP rant. Um, first of all, Connor, uh, Texas received actually 164 votes, so they were 27th. So people, some people did think Texas was back. Um, <laughs> every uh, single I, sports writer that was is based in Texas, I promise you, absolutely. <laughs> And um, I just want to shout out the one person, the one person who potentially correctly uh, voted for Nebraska. Oh, I, big gamble. One. But actually, I, I, I don't hate it. <laughs> They're not. Nebraska's not bad. I don't want to finish that. I don't want to finish the <laughs> don't, word. Don't finish Call it. Call it now. I, uh, Forces Bowl soon come. It's happening this year. <laughs> I uh in our meet a midfield poll, uh I, I think I only ranked one Big Ten West team and it was pretty reluctantly. And it was Wisconsin, but um I was mostly just looking for any excuse to not rank Iowa, uh, because I hate their offense. And even if they do finish in the top twenty five, I'm not going to acknowledge that until it happens. hundred and sixty three um, votes there. Gross, uh, gross. hideous. I, uh, it is gross. I just like if there was one team in the Big Ten I was going to pick to like shock the world this year, it actually would be Nebraska. I will end up eating those words. If but... Nebraska had last year's Iowa luck and vice versa, um, you flip those records. <laughs> you can just flip yeah. those records from last year. Absolutely. Easily. Yeah. Right. And I think that's like a lot of, I mean, aside from it being Scott Frost, like I think that's a reason that Scott Frost is still in the position he's in. Yes, he took a pay cut. Yes, it, his buyout is like, yeah, yes, that contract is far more favorable to Nebraska at this point, but it's not a bad football team. Um, <laughs> buyout, his buyout is a bushel of corn now. Um, <laughs> just... I, I will say, Scott Frost has such horrific vibes that I think uh, there is something to the late game struggles of Nebraska and their ability to just pull losses out of victories in pretty unbelievable fashion. But uh I, I'm yeah. willing to be proven wrong. I, like, I don't think voting them 25th was the most outrageous thing or even close to it in that AP poll. I'm much more perturbed by people voting Clemson in the top four and sometimes even the top three. Yeah, that's, that was that was wild to me. upsetting. Um, I will say Michigan State being at 15. I I I think uh, I think Easy. some of our colleagues had had a little <laughs> bit of a bone to pick with that. I yes. actually. We're in full I support. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. I actually think oh, that no, they should good. have been ranked two. I think yeah. that they are actually the second best team in the nation. But actually, no, I, th I think that that's fair for them. I do actually kind of compare them a little bit more closely to Penn State. But um, then anything else except for Michigan State is like kind of more complete and more well-rounded. But that's just me. But all of this to say. That's also an indictment of James Franklin. But yeah, it really is. <laughs> 
Sorry. But all of this to say, like, past a certain point, the shit is made up. It is it is yes. here to make you angry. It is here, like, those really shitty lists from Big Game Boomer about the best college bars. And then for Ann Arbor, they put, like, I don't even fucking know. I can't even think of, like, the worst bar in Ann Arbor. Um I have to, I have to really dig deep, but like <laughs> you mean other than Ricks? <laughs> I don't, oh no, don't do oh, this. No. <laughs> don't do this on the podcast. I, oh no, never mind. Different. Direction. That's a whole segment we yeah. have to do sometimes. It's a separate segment, um, but you know what I mean. Like, so I, I guess I would say, like, if it, like a big game boomer thing where he's like the best restaurant in Ann Arbor is like Wendy's. That's what. That's what. This is what they want to do. They just want discourse. And nobody knows what they're talking about. And if you ask anyone who voted on this and they try to defend anything past maybe 10, and that's generous for some of these voters, like, people are just making stuff up. Because I know I made stuff up. Um, Ace, it sounds like you made stuff up. Um, I didn't know what to do with the SEC, so I lumped most of it together towards the end. Like, it's it's just... Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, you, it's just... Like, if you... You I also forgot to... USC and then realized that was justified. <laughs> no, that's fine. They're wildly overrated at 14 unless a lot of things come together. <laughs> they're again, but that that's another thing. Lincoln Riley hasn't won a game there, and they're just like, oh Lincoln Riley. So it's it's a combination of like whoever is in the meet whoever you're hearing about the most and whoever's like got the most known quantity. So I can't that's... wait for Lincoln Riley to go to go eight and four this year, then immediately get shipped to a night game at Kinnick as his reward. It's going to be great. Oh, it's <laughs> going to be so good. I'm so excited for that. I am I am rooting for Iowa in something like that. <laughs> Kevin Warren just being like, "We decided USC has to play at night in Iowa every single year. That's just part of the that's part of the deal." Sorry, you don't like it. It's our conference. Late October. <laughs> it's a little chilly. It's not like so cold that it's like you can prepare for that level of cold, but it's just a little chilly. But it's and it's not like a California chill. It's like a that midwestern fall that I know people in California still find unpleasant. So that that I think is just a delight to me. So I. It's not the temperature. Yeah. It's not the temperature, it's the vibes. Kinnick has deeply unnerving vibes. Upsetting vibes, actually. <laughs> it really does, yeah. I don't even want um, to talk about it. <laughs> I, I agree with everything Taylor said, and I, I, I've always been on the, you know, college world media is on fraud watch uh, in general train. It, and Ourselves included. I, <laughs> and I am unbiased in saying this because I have no financial stake in the matter, but I believe this is why people should subscribe to meetatmidfield.com. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Connor. you. Uh, that that should welcome. be my big mood, but my big mood is actually that um, Michigan's quarterback competition was always going to be this way, um, and I'm sorry for that because it's it's very <laughs> unnerving and not fun uh, for a lot of fans, and I get it. But uh, Jim Harbaugh um, had a press conference this afternoon. Uh, today is Wednesday, August 17th. This will be pretty relevant in a moment. Um, and uh, yeah, he basically said this is a very even quarterback competition that may uh, extend into the season and will. Um, which is, uh, well, what he says every year, uh, from August 6th, 2015, he's expecting a quote, fair, healthy, honest quarterback competition. Uh, this is when he brought in Jake Rudock explicitly to start football games, uh, August 16th, 2016, uh, Jim Harbaugh had no update on a leader in the quarterback competition from the Michigan daily, um, August 11th, 2017, John O'Corn and Wilton Spada pulled ahead in Michigan's quarterback competition, according to Jim Harbaugh. Uh, let's see. That was from Orion Sang. Uh, Nick Baumgartner, August 14th, 2018. 
uh, says his quarterback competition, quote unquote, rages on. Uh, and uh, 2019, actually, no results. Uh, Shea Patterson locked in and uh, on a golf course. And uh, 2020, obviously, there was both an offseason quarterback competition. And then there is, uh, quote, there will be competition at quarterback this week for Michigan uh, from November 16th, 2020. That was a bad year. Um, and then obviously last year, there was the competition between Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy. And so, yeah, if you thought this was going to be settled, and even if it was settled, if you thought that Jim Harbaugh was going to say so, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I mean, I, that is a really nice review of the, the history. When you mentioned the Shea Patterson golf thing, I felt a chill go down my spine. I'm still not over that. But um, <laughs> it, was, it was a brutal, a brutal year. But I, what I think is interesting about this, a couple things that are really crucial. You, you're right, this is all about Harbaugh because Harbaugh firmly believes that like quarter a quarterback's like perhaps primary job is to be tough and to be tough by way of being a leader. And like to be quarterback means that you're supposed to like be able to handle the pressure and the mental games and, you know, the uncertainty of quote unquote competition, even if it's kind of settled, it means that you're supposed to, you know, be willing to hand the ball off 18 times in a row without complaining, you know, take hits, take your lumps. Um, If you turn it over, get right back out there, get on your horse. Like that is deeply part of like how Harbaugh sees the game of football. And I think it's one reason he's had a hard time finding a quarterback because it is like, it, it is, he has not updated this view of quarterbacking since he was playing, uh, you know, in the eighties. So like <laughs> it's, it, I, I don't want to be like kids today, but it actually is kind of like that. I mean, kids, like it's a different age and not every, not every kid, believe it or not, is like Jim Harbaugh was at that age. Um, and yet, and yet, this is what makes it interesting to me now. I think both Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy are like that. Like, they're both extremely tough kids. They have, we, we like have that... seen it in different ways for both of them. Yeah, they're extremely tough. They're both mentally and physically. Um, they, I believe this at a deep level, they both seem to care a lot more about winning than anything else. Like, everyone says that, but, like, I've seen it with them both, right? I Like, their ability to actually share snaps and stuff is, I think, quite impressive. Um, they are you know like everyone says they're both incredibly respected leaders all their teammates love them and they work incredibly hard like they're they push one of that like all the stuff that is cliched and you hear all the time i think is actually pretty true of those guys and i think that jim harbaugh has a situation where he has two quarterbacks that are perfect for him um i we all think that jj is more talented and that that is that is okay connor yeah sorry hold that thought okay okay (laughs) hold that thought all right we are brought to you by Home Field Apparel. <laughs> and we have a new promo code. Meet at midfield for 15% off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. Um, it's crazy that they just skipped a week of big new Saturday. It, yeah, they it's just wild did Penn that they State did that. last week and they're doing nothing this they, week. They, That's they, just they really teased, weird. They teased a huge drop, but then just did nothing. It's it's very strange. So you're gonna go uh, on Twitter and at Home Field Apparel, and there's no E in apparel, and ask them why didn't you release a team this week? Um, yeah, but, nothing but happened this week. They just why, went dark on social media. Why did you cancel Big New Saturday? I wanted to buy uh, some comfortable uh, fleece and uh, some soft cotton, and instead uh, nothing. So yes, ask them, and then use the promo code Meet at Midfield. For 15% off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. Also, download the PointsBet app and use the promo code BUCKETPROB to get 100% of your deposit matched up to $1,000 in the form of free bets. 
To get that bonus, though, you must use the promo code BUCKETPROB. That is bucket, P-R-O-B, all one word. Please gamble responsibly. Set limits. Avoid chasing losses. Never bet when you can't afford to lose. Take breaks when you need it. And use the self-exclusion feature to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Connor, we are on to the offense preview. And uh, we start with the quarterbacks. So, uh, I... <laughs> yeah, Kate or JJ? JJ or Kate? What's up? <laughs> I, I will just wrap up what I was saying. I think I pretty much said it all, but I think what it is deeply fascinating. I don't think it's just a fake coach thing that one reason this is the way it is, is that Harbaugh does love both of these guys. He does believe that they can actually share snaps. Um, They're both what he's looking for. And I'm going to go on the record right now as saying I am not as bothered by this as a lot of people are just because I think that for now, at least both of these guys are bought in. And I Mm -hmm. think that having them both play a lot is actually going to work fine. Like it did last year. Look at the first month of the schedule. And also they did it last year. Like, I mean, you know, not probably to the extent that they will split snaps early in the season this year, but I mean, these guys split snaps last year. I don't see why it's impossible to do it for two. Um, Although I would expect if JJ McCarthy does not end up being, the guy-ish by the end of the year that you might see some movement in the offseason. But um, that is kind of the nature of quarterback. And that is a worry for another day. For this year, it is all about uh, which guy gives the team the best chance to win all of their games. Uh, Because Michigan, uh, especially heading into Ohio State, I mean, they they have a chance to be 11-0 going into that Ohio State game. So you, as much as I understand and uh, in some ways think the same way about wanting to get the five star on the field so that the five star does not leave the program. You got to just go with the guy who's going to give you the best chance to win. Yeah. And I mean, I, I just get annoyed with Jim Harbaugh. I just think sometimes (laughs) I just, I think it's, it's not that I don't know that this is what I should expect from him. Like I understand that I just sort of get annoyed with him that's just a personal thing. I don't think he and I would get along very well, but that's you a and everyone story. else. Everyone else who knows Jim Harbaugh gets annoyed with him a lot too. <laughs> I promise you. Yeah. Um. One of my favorite uh, quotes uh, transcribed, um, uh, transcribed here uh, was just that he was like so stoked that Michael Phelps talked to the team about how like about how. He, how like after the zoom call that Michael Phelps was like giving them an inspirational, like pep talk or whatever, he was going to go like sit in an ice bath. And he, he said like, our team has an ice bath waiting for them right now. We've got water and then getting that sleep. So I just get annoyed with him. This is just a personal beef. Um, I just, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure right now, I'm sure several hours after this already happened, he's still sitting in an ice bath. You're only supposed to do this for like, what, 10 minutes. He's going to be absolutely still in one right now in this moment. It's fine. Um, but yeah. Um, yes. Uh, just, just wanted to just like say he just, yeah. Um, he personally just, all of that aside, I do think that, um, you know, he. I'm used to this. I expect that. And I personally think that, that Kate is going to start most of the these games. I do, like, in the non-conference games, I do think he's going to, like, split time a bit um, with Kate and JJ. But I, I guess Kate is also kind of the known quantity at this point. Uh, so I, I could see him leaning on... McNamara a bit more so so we'll see I that's my inclination uh 
yeah, so, yeah. If he plays his mistake free relatively as he did last year and is just the more reliable quarterback, then I think it's going to take a lot for McCarthy to pass him. But I also could see McCarthy very much doing that. But I, I have no idea. Like, I don't, I, I don't know how anybody could say that they have like a really good bead on which way it's going to go. The problem is, and I think you guys already basically said this, but like Michigan, like it's going to be a while before Michigan actually has to pass. And this is probably a good segue to the next segment about running backs, but like, they're just going to pave most people they play this year. And so who the quarterback is, is not going to be that relevant a lot of the time. So it's going to be interesting to see if JJ, you know, what it would take for JJ to butt in. I mean, in a, in like a season where Michigan loses a couple games early and things are in crisis, I think he could butt in easily given what's likely. I still think it's going to be Cade most of the year. See, I think I, I actually think the opposite in terms of if McCarthy can show that he gets the ball out on time that he's going through his reads and he's not making big mistakes uh, in those early games, because uh, I mean, he's going to, he's going to have opportunities. Uh, They're probably going to be low leverage opportunities. Let's be honest. These are bad teams that Michigan is facing in the first month of the season. Um, But you know, a bad read is pretty opponent independent. Um, So we're going to get to see a lot of the upside of McCarthy and if there's if there's a downside, we will also probably be able to see that too because it's stuff that he's going to do against air a lot of the time, you know, in terms or uh, in seven on seven in practice, just not going through his progressions the right way. So, um, I think there's that. I mean, I hate this non-conference schedule as a fan because there just isn't a game that's going to be very interesting, but. In terms of setting up this team for being able to figure out this competition, I think it's kind of the perfect schedule. Uh, I mean, fair enough. I I think mileage, it's it's just hard to predict what's going to happen because I think Michigan's going to have a tremendous amount of room to play around on offense uh, in the for much of the season. And what Matt Weiss wants, I don't really know. He's a black box to me. Uh, what Jim Harbaugh wants is to, you know, punch his quarterback in the chest and see the ball get handed off uh, correctly. But I, I just honestly don't know. You could be right. I, I mean, part of my whole thing is that I don't know either. So I think I think we're in agreement there. Uh, moving on to running back. Um, it's it's I mean, we've already talked a fair amount about Blake Corp and Donovan Edwards, too. We did a lot of the show in the first half of the with the big boots. Um, but. You know, Michigan loses to Son Askins, who was uh, um, both a very effective back and somebody who is not necessarily replicated on the team uh, with his just pretty unbelievable power for a guy of his build and also his ability to just randomly jump over people. It was a cool combination. Um, but Corman Edwards should be a really excellent tandem. What Donovan Edwards is going to bring in the passing game, I think, is going to really... Uh, provide a lot of opportunities for uh, Weiss and Sharon Moore to get super creative with their playbook. And uh, I think even though Michigan was a tremendously productive team last year on the ground, that there will not be a drop off in the backfield. I'm expecting this to be a, a really good duo that is right up there with any of the big 10, including Ohio States. Yeah. I basically entirely agree with that. Um, I, you know, Corum to me is a fairly known quantity. Like again, he was on track to be, you know, borderline Heisman candidate before he got slowed up and then Haskins took over last year. Um, I think he's just, you know, a dynamite running back for pretty much any situation. Um, 
should be one of the better running backs in the country. Edwards is very interesting because if he reaches if he reaches his potential. So like people don't know this, but like, you know, Ohio State and Georgia, you know, um, especially Georgia considered him like the best running back in the country. And as good as Travion Henderson is, um, you know, Ohio State wanted Edwards at least early on more. And I, we've we've seen we've seen the flashes and we've seen him, especially in the receiving game where he's been nasty. Um, you know, if he starts to hit his ceiling, this could be, yeah, one of, if not, I mean, the, the ceiling for this duo is best duo in the country. Um, I'm not going to guarantee they'll hit that for obvious reasons, but yeah. I, I, for obvious reasons, but I also think that like, what makes it interesting too, is the passing game is such an X factor, like Ace said, and none of Edwards will get a lot of targets in the passing game. They've said that we've already seen it. Um, and we're not talking like normal running back targets. We are talking like chucking it to him downfield. The type of stuff where you just like you see him on a linebacker and your eyes light up because you know that isn't like a 90% win. Yeah, and I think that's just going to be like that. The only schools that Michigan plays that have a, a really credible chance to do anything about that are Ohio State and Penn State because they both have a lot of like extreme athleticism in their back seven. Everybody else. I don't think they could do a dang thing about that, really. So it's, it's going to be, be it's going to get interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I could really see Edwards eating, eating pretty significantly into Coram's snap share. I mean, you mentioned how efi- efficient Coram was on a snap to snap basis last year, but uh, I'm not sure he's going to get a significantly larger workload, especially if Edwards shows that he can run the ball pretty well, which uh, I think he's going to do pretty well. He certainly has flashed there as well. He just didn't get many opportunities last year. And it sounded like the coaches, were really intent on getting him those opportunities. They just, uh, it was hard to get away from giving the ball to Haskins at Coram for extremely understandable reasons. Um, at wide receiver, it's going to be very interesting to see who rises to the top because uh, Michigan has a bucket load of dudes here. Uh, Ronnie Bell is back from his injury from the first game, first half of the first game last year, I think. Um, that came at the end of a, a very long punt return. Um, I don't want to talk about it. Let's let's not talk about how he is uh, still returning punts in practice now. Um, everything's fine. Everything's great. Um, uh, Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson, it sounds like, are your leaders to start right now. But you've got Andrew Anthony, A.J. Hemming, Henning uh, pushing for snaps after uh, showing some real promise last year. And true freshman Darius Clemens, who was the uh, maybe the standout of the spring game uh, is also getting talked about a lot. Um, the Big Ten Network is doing their, uh, you know, fall camp tour, bus tour right now. And Clemens was somebody who either caught their eye or the coaches told them, watch this kid. Either way, that's uh, promising. Um, the only real movement from last year is that Mike Sainer still is now almost entirely playing nickel. And um, who is the transfer? I just uh, Dalen Baldwin uh, went to the NFL, uh, so it's it's probably a good sign for Michigan that I briefly forgot Dalen Baldwin's name. I think they're <laughs> going to be fine. Um, so there's a lot of experience, a lot of depth, a lot of potential, especially if like Andrew Anthony can look like what he did against Michigan State on a more consistent basis. Uh, the fear here is that there is not a true number one receiver, and kind of like last year, this is more of a. Uh, collection of number twos um, who kind of trade having good games. Uh, although I'll note that Ronnie Bell did function pretty well as a, as a number one in, in 2019 and 2020. Uh, he wasn't necessarily treated as, by the defense as a number one, but he put up numbers like one. 
Yeah, I think so. So yeah, wide receiver is absolutely going to be by committee. It's, I think to the point of like Connor's big mood of kind of like, we have to kind of shed some of that nervousness and some of that pessimism. Uh, I think that one of the areas that others might say, well, Michigan doesn't really have much of anything going is because there's no necessarily star standout uh, wide receiver. I am of course a Ronnie Bell Homer, but I'll try to uh, I'll try not to like get into that too deeply. I just, I think he's like a number one in terms of just kind of like, again, being a known quantity, being somebody that, you know, you know, is going to, you know, get open, be effective with a ball um, and, you know, be someone that that is reliable. So I think that that's a, a really good, um, a really good spot to be in. Um, and I, And I think, you know, Michigan is underrated in that in that respect of just like having a good solid group. Michigan always has like a solid group of guys without without like a standout, and I think that that's um, something that makes the team itself very good. Uh, it bothers me I, so much having grown up with NFL receivers like every year at like minimum both outside spots and often yeah. like all three receiver spots, and now it's like, oh, Michigan doesn't really produce like high end receivers. Yeah, which I think is... we've, I mean, there's a few on this team that could get there. You know, like I oh, think yeah. that the yeah the upside for guys like Andrew Anthony, um, Darius Clemens, uh, Moran Walker, also true freshman. But even like mm-hmm. I think I think we under I mean I tend to think we underrate Cornelius Johnson just because the way he plays does not look super impressive. I think he's decently high on draft boards, so he's not going to be like a first round type guy. But um, my my thing about this is just I I'm just curious to see about. I, literally how much we throw the ball to these guys yes. because like Matt Weiss is saying they're going to throw it more and Harbaugh saying they're going to throw it more. I have heard that before from Sam Hall. Although, although <laughs> last year they were talking about it as has been documented in the, in Ben Bathis Lilly's book, the hot seat um, that uh, uh, Michigan <laughs> was really yeah. talking a pound on the rock last year. And it, they, they don't quite have that same tune this year. It feels like. And, uh, and I think, there's, I, I think there's a strong likelihood that the quarterback competition and the desire to see reps from those guys, game reps from those guys, gets the passing game more volume early on than certainly what we saw last year when Michigan was extremely content to run the ball literally until the defense stopped them. Yeah, yeah I think that's. I think you're right that the tune was way different last year, and this year Thixauskas has not yet seen enough, which yes. may be a bad sign because I tried not to be a good omen last year. But <laughs> <It did>. um, <laughs> I I just I I think I'm really interested in Matt Weiss. I mean, we're we're, ta- we're previewing the offense. We haven't talked about the OC at all. Like I am very curious about him. Does this look a lot like last year's offense, and it's very familiar in, in pretty much every way? Quite possibly because I think he had an influence on Gaddis and all that last year. Could it look a lot different, given that he's considered this football genius and probably has a lot of high concept ideas? I doubt they want uh, to change a ton just for mm. continuity's sake. Uh, yeah, especially totally right. Although, on staff yeah. last year, but um, I do think the running game certainly could open up a lot if McCarthy ends up being the guy. And yeah, I, mean, I suspect they'll put in a lot anyway for him. Obviously, you're totally right that like they're not going to suddenly start running the Mike Leach offense or anything. But I. <laughs> I just think it's going to be different in some ways. And it's, I, it's very much a mystery how, just because Weiss has never been a coordinator. Um, and I ex- fully expect them to spread the ball out more. They said they're going to go five wide at times and stuff, but I need to actually see it and see what it looks like just because, you know, I, I'm, 
I have trepidations. I've been hurt before. I, I'll still strongly suspect this is going to be uh, an offense that can be easily identified as uh, one that Jim Harbaugh coaches. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably a fair bet. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> he he already said like he he believes like Ronnie Bell is like kind of like if he could name a guy like Ronnie Bell is like the MVP of of camp so far. And um, Bellamy has also just, you know, very directly made mention that uh, to the running backs point, um, Edwards is going to be part of the passing game. And Henning is actually going to conversely be a little bit more par- part of the run game. Um, so there's going to be a little bit of versatility in the offense, which I think is going to benefit overall, um, um, particularly in kind of like the running back and wide receiver positions, um, which, which does kind of make me think like, I I don't know how much they're going to be like, again, like it's not going to be an air raid. It's not going to be, it's not going to be like bombs all the time. It's, it's going to be a little bit more of kind of that like versatile, like, I know it's cliche to say like Debo Samuel sort of things, but like that's kind of what... also because there's just nobody else like Debo Samuel. So. There is, there yeah, is, no, that's, no. and that's right though. Like, yeah, I, I, I think the way that I was thinking, what I was trying to say is basically, I expect it to be a lot like last year because it worked well and continuity is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also to look a little bit more, moving a little bit more to looking like the Ravens, partly because they're going to have at least one highly mobile quarterback, and that's where Matt Weiss comes from. So, yeah. Have you That's watched fair. the Ravens? They don't throw. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I know. I'm just saying, like, you're going to get your quarterback involved in the running game. And, like, I, I think, like, maybe it already looks like the Ravens. I'm just saying, like, it's going to, it's going to, insofar as it's influenced by what's going on in the NFL, it's going to be from that, from that branch of things. If saying. they're incorporating Ravens stuff, I am super excited to watch JJ McCarthy run some, like, inverted beer. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that we're going to see probably something like that. With, we'll see we we will see, I think, a more varied quarterback run game uh, for yeah. McCarthy because it was, uh, I mean, you never call a Harbaugh run game relatively straightforward because uh, it's always more complex than it looks in real time. But it was more straightforward last year than it will be this year, I assume, uh, with McCarthy because they sure. were definitely trying not to overload that kid. Um the reason why I think this will still look a lot like a Jim Harbaugh offense is that uh, Michigan has Eric Hall and Luke Schoonmaker returning. And that might be, uh, it could push for the best tight end tandem in the country. I don't think that is uh, Homer hyperbole because Eric Hall, I, I have seen him get mentioned among like top five draft eligible tight ends in his class. And Schoonmaker, it's hard to find a number two who's that uh, reliable. So, I mean, all obviously we had some doubts about him ending in the last season he was coming off a a very drop marred uh year but he is a real difficult guy to guard because of his combination of size and speed as penn state uh found out late last in that game last year and uh he is also a crushing run blocker which is not really something that was expected out of from him out of high school when people uh myself included were a little intrigued by the possibility of him being a wide receiver uh but said he might be the best tight end of the Big Ten, and if not, it's probably uh, Peyton Durham or Sam Laporta. Um, so he's in good company, and this is going to be a strength for this team. the The question is how much they'll be utilized, because we have mentioned a lot of players who should be pretty damn dynamic with football in their hands. Yeah, it's it's just really hard to tell what what to expect. That's just the theme of like this entire thing. It's just like. It's it's unclear what is going to happen. I do think all and Schoonmaker are just like absolutely the best tight end duo. 
Um, that it very much in the Big Ten, if not one of the best in in the country. I think that I, I just and and they're heavily and they're utilized in a good enough way where that is going to be a big element of the past game i i think and if we're talking about continuity it's absolutely they're still going to play a huge role um it's just hard to tell because you've got so much talent at receiver that that it just doesn't you know doesn't feel great to like let some of that like go to the wayside but like sanders kind of was to. pretty good and they just moved i mean they, they apparently he might start at nickel but uh he was pretty good <laughs> like, yeah well, and I think Sanders still is an interesting case in point with these tight ends, too, because, like, what is Mike Sanders' defining trait? Like, he goes all out on special teams where he's an elite player. He's a little guy who was known for being a fearsome blocker as a as a receiver last year. And mm-hmm. now he's he's switching to defense um, because he will just do what he's because, as Jim Harbaugh would say, he's just a football player and he does what needs to be done and he doesn't complain and he's tough. Yeah. And, like, again, these are all the cliches of football. So we don't, take, we don't take them seriously, but I think this is like a key lesson about these tight this tight end group is like what Harbaugh has with his current offense is kind of what he was he's been seeking for a long time. He has a bunch of dudes, including these tight ends, who will just block all game and do so with gusto and enjoy it and enjoy smacking people in the mouth and don't necessarily need to be targeted to be happy. Um, they're definitely going to be targeted, but I think it's just interesting to look up and down this roster and be like the vibe from these players overall is just like, you know, Harbaugh has succeeded in creating the culture that he wants. Um, and it's a really interesting thing to see. I think the le- the big lesson for me as we review these position groups is like, I actually feel better about Michigan's offense than I even thought I did just because like, these are all really good position groups that range from either among the best in the Big Ten to among the best in the country. And it just feels very weird to say that about a Michigan offense. And we are now going to move on to the offensive line, which literally won the Joe Moore Award last year for best offensive line of the country. And I think they are going to be better this year. Like it, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm actually going to argue that Michigan was not the best offensive line this last year. And that uh, while they might've been one of the best run blocking offensive lines in the country last year, that, uh, um, as you will hear a lot when the NFL uh, comes into discussion, sacks are a quarterback stat. And Cade McNamara got the ball out really damn fast last year. So I'm not saying Michigan's offensive line is like bad or overrated. I think they're the best in the Big Ten, but they might not be better than like Alabama's. Um, still, uh, this, that's a good place to start. They're returning uh, Ryan Hayes at left tackle, an, an excellent player. Uh Maybe a li- not the strongest run blocker, but considering Michigan's um, overall strength in run blocking, uh, still pretty darn good. And he's got great feet. He'll be an NFL tackle prospect. And then, as we talked about earlier, two of the best guards in the country on the interior, Trevor Keegan and Zach Zinter. Uh, they're replacing Andrew Vestardis, who, I, I mean, you have to name him the relative weak point of last year's line, which was very strong overall. Because uh, he was mostly there for his ability to get things organized, but not necessarily overpower guys. Uh, they're replacing him with uh, a guy who was a Remington finalist last year in Olu Oluwatimi out of Virginia. And then they replace right tackle uh, Andrew Stuber with Trente Jones. And that might be the spot where you look at it as a potential downgrade. And I don't even know. Jones beat out a ton of guys competing for one spot and was a well-regarded recruit out of high school and has been on campus for a few years. So I don't know. I think the offensive line is going to whip ass. Yeah. I mean, as far as Jones goes, like he seemed to basically have that job locked down since the spring. 
Or even uh, last I, year, really, because they were putting him on the field as that extra tight end. And that seems to be something where they, uh, they, I mean, it either means you're moving to tight end in the future or they're trying to get you some early reps. It means that you're Joel Honigford and we have to get you the ball somehow because yes. of that dynamic. Um, but, something uh, like that. <laughs> uh, but I, I just think like, you know, there is a lot of competition in that room. Um, a lot of guys they're going to be on the bench that we like as players and like it or like as recruits. And so I, I'm a believer. And like I said, I mean, this is kind of the, the core point for me about previewing Michigan's offense and kind of previewing their whole season. They're going to be able to simply pave most teams they face. Like, where do you draw that line of teams that you can't just pave? I mean, Penn State, Ohio State, probably not. Iowa, uh, Iowa and Michigan State, maybe not. Everybody else, I'm going to have to see it to believe it because it just seems like, especially with those guys in the middle, Keegan, Zinter, Oluwatimi, like, you know, Michigan will throw probably at least once in every game just for the hell of it. But, like, there are going to be games where they don't really need to, I would say. And I just don't know what teams are going to do about it because not many teams have the defensive tackles and linebackers to handle what Michigan throws at you, which includes the receivers and especially the tight ends who love to crunch people. So I just think, I mean, Michigan's going to pave their way to like at least eight wins. Just these guys are going to road grade people. Yeah. yeah like a, how we started talking be... about like five wide sets and now we're just like mash it. They're going to mash. Like <laughs> this is, this is a horrible offense. Yeah. And it's just, it's yeah. We're just going to have, yeah, it's just a beefy offense. It's good. I have nothing to say about the offensive line except for it's good. It's very good. I just right. don't like who's playing defensive tackle for UConn. Uh, we should send some flowers to that kid. Nope, yeah. <laughs> yeah. God bless. Um, God bless. <laughs> so uh, kind of to tie things up, what year do we feel the best about? Which one do we feel the worst about? Um, let's start with best because that's a, that's a nice thing, Connor. Uh, it's tough because I love the offensive line. I love the whole offense, but running back, that's a killer duo. Taylor? Uh, I want to say offensive line. I, I have nothing to say. Oh, I was hoping I wouldn't have to break that tie. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I... Oh, God. I'm actually going to go with running back because I think uh, what Edwards is going to bring in the passing game is going to really add something that uh, not a lot of teams in college football have at all. And even at the NFL level, don't necessarily have um, a, a guy who can truly like split out and be a factor. So uh, between Quorum being really good, Edwards having that impact and uh, the depth behind them, God, it's hard to go against this offensive line. But uh, let's move on before I change my mind. Uh, Connor, give me the one the we won't say worst because uh, like all the units are good. The The one that gives you the most concern. Yeah, for me, the question marks are at quarterback, not because like on the one hand, Michigan has two proven guys that are like Big Ten caliber starters, at least, which is a really immense luxury. But, you know, as much as I will defend the sharing snap things and will defend that these guys, I think, can work together. It is a weird situation. Um, And, you know, most often to get the most out of your quarterback room, you pick a starter and, and ride with that guy. So that's where the questions are for me. Yeah, no, that's fair. Although uh, I will say that um, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson have all won national titles while going through a quarterback controversy during the season, and sometimes in the middle of the national championship game. So that uh, that maxim may not be as strong as it used to be about needing to pick a guy. 
Um, yeah, Ohio, Ohio State has beaten us while switching quarterbacks at half. Uh, I've seen it happen. So yeah. uh, <laughs> Ohio State also uh, didn't necessarily choose to go through multiple quarterbacks when they had to sometimes, but uh, that's life. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there are also there were also years where they were uh, trying to figure things out still uh, partway through the season. Um, where did I leave uh, off, Taylor? What's your worst or uh, uh, but area of greatest concern? I actually, I think it's wide receiver. Fair. I, which is, I, I think it's just because, like, again, there's just so much like weird aura of like you don't really know what's going on in 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 anyone's head or like what you're gonna see on the field. I mean, you kind of do, but you don't. And I think wide receiver is kind of one of those places where, again, there's no standout number one. Um, there's no like guy, and I think that the the kind of like nebulousness of like what where where does everyone fit in what's gonna happen i think that that's kind of where the concern is for me at wide receiver it's not necessarily the talent because the talent is there i think it's just sort of like what do you do with that talent and and how does that play out is kind of where my wide receiver concern comes in because if the line is as good as i think it is you know mccarthy's mobile mcnamara like you know, can get the can get the ball out quickly. Has a lot of heart, McNamara. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering where the mobility thing was going. There. He tries hard. Uh, he's, got, he's got heart. Um, but uh, but what I'm you know, but it, to Ace's point of like he gets the ball out pretty quick. Um, I think that that doesn't concern me as much because I know that line is going to ideally take take care of whoever they've got they've got uh, under center. So wide receiver really is kind of the area of of concern for me. So. I think you two have taken the best answers on the board. Uh, so I'm going to reach off the board and say coaching uh, because my, That's I think not my, fair. I know, but it's my podcast. Isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Um, yeah, I get to cheat. Um, I'm going with coaching because first of all, uh, we have now covered wide receiver and quarterback and the concerns about that in great detail. And we're trying to, you know, provide a, a complete picture of the offense. And also because I think the thing that would like most submarine Michigan season is either a mishandling of the quarterback situation or uh, getting super cute in a game where they're trying to do some sort of, I don't know whether it's like going to be an AJ Henning wildcat package or a bunch of six different flea flickers. Uh, they did kind of fall in love with those last year a little bit, although it worked out um, or just not utilizing the, depth of the receiving core because they just want to play two good tight ends all the time. You know, there are a lot of ways. And also this is a new offensive coordinator uh, or at least a new co-coordinator. And obviously Josh Gaddis, I would say was uh, more the official offensive coordinator than Sharon Moore was last year. Um, as great a job as board did uh, both in the run game and on the offensive line. So I do have some, I feel good about the run game. I'm not sure about, the cohesiveness of the game plan, the uh, potential uh, uh, too many cooks factor, which has uh, been a problem in the past with Jim Harbaugh on some teams loaded with talent. And it, it's also just going to be a tough coaching job juggling all of this skill position talent. And it's I, like, it's a good problem, but that's still a problem. And it'll, it'll, I'm not sure how Harbaugh and the offensive coaches work through that, but they're going to have to make some really tough decisions, both uh, with their lineups and with what style they want to play. And I think that's going to go a very long way towards determining 
whether this uh, is in 11 and one playoff contender or uh nine and three eight and four disappointment i don't think it'll get much worse than that just because of the schedule but uh i think offensive coaching is uh going to be a huge swing factor yeah yeah and you know when i complain about jim harbaugh like there is a purpose there really truly is and i think that that when i get frustrated it is because sometimes that does bleed into that some of the decisions that they make and some of the kind of the mindset of the group and that's you know kind of why i have the concern about wide receiver because you know you just really don't know what's going to happen and and i get that that's like a cliche and whatever but but it it especially concerns me when when you've got like someone as enigmatic as as harbaugh and that and that staff so it just I just get this like weird, like unease of like, you've got all this talent, you've got this potential, like, what do you do with it? And, and sometimes I don't know if, if they know the answer to that. Uh, and that's kind of where my concern is. So I, even though Ace cheated, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think it's, I think it's, I mean, I'll, I'll make the parallel to last year where a lot of people were rightly very skeptical of Mike McDonald and it kind of hinged on, okay, either this guy is a genius, like they've said he is, or he's not. Turned out Mike McDonald was a genius, and that's why he's coaching for the Ravens now. Um, I, you know, I'm not saying that Weiss will. I, I think that in the best case, he probably won't be quite as much of a wunderkind as uh, McDonald was. Although I will take that if he is. That would be. But fantastic. everyone says would be fantastic. Yeah, like everyone says he's this big football genius. Um, is he really? Does he? Will he add something to this offense? Uh, will he? Will he be clever? Will he get Jim Harbaugh, as Taylor just said, away from Jim's tendency, which is maddening to burn downs doing weird shit or be incredibly predictable at the goal line all the things that or Jim play does that super Drew... slow when they're playing teams that they could run over if they just got enough snaps in like right yeah <laughs> which which like a lot of these things did improve to an extent last year even though there were moments of frustration like a lot of it did get a lot better last year so they weren't like that last at tempo anymore that was nice <laughs> no and i think we were told like wasn't weiss in charge of like clocks and timeouts and stuff like i think that was him actually like the he he in yeah, theory there, there was a notable improvement in game management that i think originated from matt weiss <laughs> yeah so i'm hopeful for matt weiss but i do think that like a highly underrated question is just like is this guy actually brilliant and will add a lot to the michigan's offense or is he just some guy and you know i'm hoping he's brilliant yeah. And also another question is, you know, how does it, you know, Jim Harbaugh is never not going to be part offensive coordinator. It's He's always going to be playing that role a little bit. You've got co-coordinators. Um, we have seen in the past when Michigan has, say, split their uh, coordinating duties between uh, Jed Fish and um, the offensive line coach, whose name I am very intentionally blocking out of my head right now, who followed Harbaugh from Stanford. Um but uh, Drevno, let... you forgot. Yes, Tim Drevno. I was <laughs> oh gonna God. let, that, I was gonna let that ride. Oh my God! Uh, How could you forget Tim Drevno? Uh, by trying very hard. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you know we've seen before that you know sometimes these guys don't really have a vision that lines up, or like the running game and the passing game don't necessarily have anything to do with each other uh, in some years, or they're just uh, bad at coaching football if it's Tim Drevno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he didn't have the greatest time. There was a Pep Hamilton phase in there, you know. It was it wasn't the best, but um, Matt Weiss certainly carries a promising reputation. Uh, I have a a lot of trust in Moore after his uh, debut season. Um, it's hard to do better than having your offensive line win the award for the best in the country, um, especially when you pair it with that running game. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of questions to answer. And with the offense, I think almost all of them has have to do with utilization because uh, it's not really, there aren't questions about the talent there. I mean, there are questions about which players play, but there aren't questions about whether Michigan's going to be fielding good players. Um, so I don't know to kind of wrap things up. I think uh, it's very reasonable to be very excited about this offense. And at the same time also have some pretty big questions about what it's going to look like. Anybody else have anything to say before I uh, sign us off? One last thing. You disrespected the flea flicker, which I will not stand for. Uh, <laughs> I didn't disrespect that. it. I just said they shouldn't run six of them in a game. Well, I mean, here's the thing, though. If a team, <laughs> if a team bites well... on a flea flicker, just, you know, keep the ball. <laughs> just run. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I respect the dedication to it. And hey, with J.J. McCarthy, you know, maybe they could just pitch it back to him and have him just be like, oh, this is a QB draw now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> a very long developing QB draw. Uh, oh, that, that certainly couldn't backfire. Uh, all right. Um, before I uh, traumatize Taylor anymore, apparently, with my ideas for plays, uh, <laughs> follow us at uh, Bucket Problem on Twitter and at Meet at Midfield. Sign up for meetatmidfield.com. Seriously, it's been uh, fantastic. The first couple of weeks, we were cranking out a ton of content. We have some fun conversations on the boards. Um, seriously, a message board in which I will like sincerely tell you, sign on, chat with us. I'm actually on it. Um, yeah. Yeah, a good message board. I'm not lying. Uh, rate and review and subscribe to this here uh, podcast and uh, use the promo code Meet Midfield at homefieldapparel.com and the promo code BucketProb on PointsBet. Thank you for listening and have a great week.